you to read. In Romans chapter 1, we're reading um, from verses 8 through to 17. So Romans chapter 1. We're beginning um, another bit of a little mini-series this morning and, and we'll, I'll, we'll, you'll see the graphic and I'll explain that in a moment. But let's just read this, uh, Paul's words to the church in Rome or to the Christians in Rome. And starting at verse 8, he says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way might be open for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I might impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but I've been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have... A harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I'm obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That's why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it's written, the righteous will live by faith. Those are um, Paul's words to the, the Christians in Rome. And as I said, um, we are beginning a new uh, series, a new mini, mini series this morning. Um, this year we've been, we're, we're running a series that's on and off um, every now and then, and um, looking at the, the six traits, moving people in following Christ in the centre and the six traits of mature disciples. And um, we've been looking at, we spent a few weeks or about a month on being part of a church family. We just finished um, about four, uh, four weeks on praying selflessly, pray selflessly. And we made that really practical. Oh, and by the way, I've got some feedback. We got a phone call from Crossway Church. Who prayed for Crossway Church when we, um, when we got into groups and prayed? We got a phone call from Crossway Church this week saying that they'd read our letter and that they were super touched. And it was really some of the stuff, that some of the prayer points that we sent them was really applicable. And they were really humbled by the fact that we prayed for them. So... We sent, as we said, we sent it to them. So we did that. We got practical and we, we prayed selflessly. We prayed for other churches, for other Christians, and for other people in our life. And this um, four weeks, we're beginning uh, to look at shares the gospel. And um, looking at a mature follower of Christ, a mature disciple, shares the gospel. And um, we want to look at that um, as disciple makers, you know, Matthew 28, where we're called to be disciples who are witnesses to the work of Christ. You know, as we are witnesses to the work of Christ in our own life and the power of the gospel in our own lives. We share the news with those that don't know it. If we're maturing in our faith and we're moving in following Christ, we should be seeing the gospel work in our own life. We should be seeing the gospel working and we should be sharing that with people around us, with those around us. You know, in um, Acts chapter 1, 
um, verses 7 to 8, right at the start, before when Jesus was still speaking to the disciples, he said it when they were asking the question, you know, are, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And in verse 7, he said, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That whole sense where Jesus talked to his disciples and said, you're going to be witnesses, you're going to tell of what you've seen. You're going to tell about the things that went on in your life. Even these last three years with me. And you're going to tell of the power of the gospel as you go around. And so that's the emphasis we're looking at when we're talking about sharing the gospel. A mature disciple shares the gospel. We're going to look at this um, in four, four weeks. And um, at this stage, at least, we're looking at it with four weeks. And today I'm going to start with looking at confidence in the gospel, as um, Scott said before. Um, next week, Glenn's going to be sharing on communicating the gospel. The week after, I'm going to be talking about the context in gospel sharing. How important is context? And Joel's going to finish us up with compelled by the gospel. Joel is um, working so great on our themes and he worked really hard to get the C's working there. So we've got confidence, communicating, context and compelled. So look forward to that. It's actually going to be really good. So I thought about, okay, confidence in the gospel. We're talking about shares the gospel it would be the right thing to do to talk about the gospel. What is the gospel? You know, we use that term pretty, pretty lightly, don't we? We sort of we say, oh, I'm going to share the gospel, or we talk about the gospel. What is the gospel in its essence? You know, and without, well, not what, how do we share the gospel. What does it mean, the gospel? Well, it means good news. And, and you might have heard this before, and you might have heard me share this before, but it's not even necessarily a religious term gospel it's not in the first instance something that was religious it's it's good news and the story goes that um with the romans with when they began when they were were busy conquering the world as they knew it they would send a posse to some nation or some tribe or whatever and they would conquer it with their their mighty army the army that was more was greater than any other army. And they would send a posse in and they would, they would then conquer that land. They would take its, its, its leader or its king or its emperor or whatever captive. They would, they, would, they would, you know, the brains trust, they would manage to capture them. And they would send these people to stay there and to occupy. And that's where you get this, the Roman occupation. They would occupy this, this nation or this place. And the, 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 the way that they would occupy was the Romans were really determined that everyone should be Roman. That everyone should think like a Roman. Everyone should be like a Roman. Everyone should have the values that a Roman has. Everyone should operate their, their legal systems the way that Rome and the legal system. So the people they sent in weren't just warriors and fighters. They were people that would go in there and change that nation from the inside out. They would change the legal system. They would change the social structure. They would change the values of um, that nation. There would be a complete new era, a new rule, a new system, new values, completely new. Now that would take a little bit of time. Changing people's minds, of course, when you start with force, you know, people get subdued pretty quickly, that would take a little bit of time. When they felt like they had established Rome in this new place, they would send someone back to Rome, actual Rome, and he would come 
you know, galloping on a horse. That's my imagination. He might have been walking along with a staff. I don't know. He would come in and he would herald. There would be people that would go before him into the, king's, into the court of the emperor or the, the Caesar, whoever it was. And he would say, I bring good news, good gospel. Rome, a new Rome, a new place has been established. A new rule has been established. So this word gospel, good news, was not necessarily a religious term. For the patriotic Romans, that was really good news when another place became Rome. They were very proud and very convinced of their culture. They believed that it was the best way to live. They believed in it. And then Jesus came and said, I bring good news. Jesus came with good news. And Jesus gospel would enact the very same things there would be this jesus was talking about this new set of values this new era this new rule there would be a new king there would be a new kingdom he would talk about the kingdom of heaven is here there would be a new system there would be new opportunities but this new rule this gospel was different wasn't it this good news was different it would be eternal and it wasn't just for the jews because they'd heard that you know the Jews were the ones that belonged to God, the God of the Jews. This was now for the Gentiles. They, they would and they, they could be part of it. And that was exciting. That was good news. It was also challenging. Challenging at least two different ways. It was countercultural for them, at least the Gentiles, in, in at least two ways. There's probably more ways from their own culture. That meant that they would, if they were going to become followers of Christ, these Gentiles, that they might, they might experience rejection from their own families, from their own people groups, um, shunning. You've heard of that sort of stuff before. That was one of them. And, of course, for the Roman rulers. The Romans did not want to see the Jesus followers become influential. So life got hard. So that's the context that... Um, that, that the, the Jews and the Gentiles are, are hearing Paul's words here. So Paul's comments in our text, I am not ashamed, were really appropriate words. That was really important for them to hear that, to get the confidence. Firstly, for the listeners themselves, they needed to hear the message that it is the power to save, that it has brought them salvation. But then it was also to boost their confidence in sharing it too. Because it is the power to save for all who believe. And Paul says that in our text, doesn't he? Bring salvation to everyone who believes. So the challenge was, Paul's challenge to, to the, the, the Christians, if you like, or the, the, Jesus, the followers of Christ in Rome, did they believe that? Did they believe that it was the power to save? Did the gospel indeed give them new life and hope? Was the gospel the answer to their longing? Was it necessary for their life? Does it even have power? Well, Paul says it does. And so he's challenged to those in Rome who he was also challenging to mature as disciples, just as we are challenged today, was to share the gospel. His challenge was them to, to share the gospel, herald it without shame uh, and be confident of its power. And there's a note there. Note that he doesn't talk about their power, but its power. That the gospel, the good news 
that it is the power to save. And this is important to know. But he wanted them to have confidence in the truth of the gospel. That God would work through that. God would work through his good news. And that they just needed to step out and share. And so when you read Romans, when you, when you read that Paul says that, this is not just Paul um, kind of sprouting off his religious language and just sort of pre, you know, a preamble to... This is he's actually building confidence in the... He's actually talking to them about having confidence to share the gospel. Don't be ashamed. I am not ashamed. I know it's hard. I know that it's countercultural even in your day. But I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's a power to save. It's what brings life. It's what brought you life, he reminds them. And it's what brings life. So those words that, that Jesus spoke to the disciples, to that you will be my witnesses, that command that Jesus commanded his disciples echoes right through history to us today. Our call to be mature disciples means that we also need to be people that share the good news, that share the gospel. But you know, I sitting in my office this week and I was asking myself and I want to ask us, can... Can I say, like Paul, I am not ashamed of the gospel? Can we say, can we say that? You know, it's easy for me to, to say it, but really, you know, can I say with Paul that, and can we say with Paul that we're not ashamed of the gospel? Do we believe that it is actually the power of God? Or do we have other powers? Can do, cash, influence. Can we say that it's the power of God, firstly for ourselves, for our own salvation, but also for our friends, our family, and our world? Do we believe, and I'm asking myself the same question, do we believe that the gospel can change, improve, and give purpose to my life, to other people's lives, and bring it back in so many, pla- in so many ways to our world? Do we have the confidence in the gospel? That kind of confidence, this is what I was thinking in the office, the kind of confidence that eclipses our fears, my fears, that eclipses my hesitations, well, I, you know, or my misgivings. For us as mature disciples, the gospel is good news, right? Yep, it, it's good news. Our lives have been taken over by a new ruler, a different set of values, a new system. You know, somewhere else Paul talks about the gospel of his son, God's son, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he talks about the fact that, that things are going to change when you, when you receive the good news, when you receive the, the gospel of, of his son, of Jesus Christ. Things are going to change. There's going to be change in your life. There's going to be a new system, but it's going to be a good change. So then why or why not, why or why do we not share the gospel? Why or are we not confident to share the gospel? You know, sometimes I think it's, we feel like, well, I, you, know, you know, a couple of years ago, Glenn got up here and he had this piece of butcher paper and he did it in three minutes and I can't do that. He drew the picture and it all made sense and I tried to do it two minutes later with a friend of mine, it didn't work. You know, we sometimes feel like we're ill-equipped in terms of knowledge. That can be one of the things. But I think where confidence comes from, it starts inside us, doesn't it? Do we believe it? 
Do we believe that it gives life and hope? Do we believe that the people that we encounter in life, the people in our families, in our world, that it would do the same for them? Do you actually believe that? Do we believe that it is the answer to the world's woes? Do we believe that it is good news for our political system, for our education system, for our health system, for our world, for our workplaces? Do we actually believe that it is good news for the world's woes? And it does work. Do we believe it's necessary for life? And do we believe it does actually have power? Because if we don't believe it, we can't sell it. Write that down. That's an Andrew. You know, I remember this. You know, I, I tell the story of years ago, I was a car salesman. Go figure. Here I am. What a good, you know, what a natural progression, huh? But we worked with, um, and people, some people know this about me, we sold Toyotas. And I had absolute confidence. I seriously had absolute confidence in Toyotas. You know, most people say they were boring, but they will go forever and they'll be reliable. And, and I actually totally believed that. I had no problem selling a, a Toyota to somebody. You've got to think like a salesman for this. I had no problem saying this is a good car because I had confidence that it was. Occasionally we'd have a used car and it was mutton dressed up as lamb. It was shiny on the outside, but I knew what was on the inside. And I had trouble selling those sorts of cars. And so for me, there's a real sense of picture. If you, if you don't have confidence in it, you can't sell it. If I didn't feel like that it was really going to be, and we lived in a small town, so it would pretty much come back on you if you, didn't do something, if you did something a bit shifty. But if you don't believe it, you can't sell it. That's where confidence comes from. And that's why I'm, I'm laboring the point. Do you believe the gospel is good news? Do you believe it has power? If you don't believe it, you can't sell it. And if you don't believe it, you won't tell it. You can't sell it and you won't tell it. You know, we're involved, we talk about this, we're involved with in Africa, and, and it's kind of easy there, but we're involved with the soccer club with some, help me out, yo, here, 450, 400-odd people. 480 people in the soccer club. You know, if you... Every one of them needs the gospel just like we need it, right? Well, let's establish that. If you don't believe it, you're not going to talk about it. You're not going to tell it in the context that we are in. And you won't tell it in Cavell Kitchen either. But confidence can be shaken, can't it? It's one thing to say we're confident, but confidence can be shaken. And we're not pioneers here, are we? The message is not always welcomed. The message of the gospel or the good news is not always welcomed. It's countercultural, isn't it? It, it was then, for, for the Gentiles particularly, perhaps, and even for the Jews in, under the Roman system, it was countercultural. And today, it's countercultural, isn't it? The gospel. Last night, how many of you, the, at the AFL, what they have, the, the Pride match. And this, you know, this morning I was at the gym and watching the news on the screen. And I do run while I'm watching the, the news on the screen. But watching the news on the screen. And there's a Twitter and a Facebook. There's a furore about the, the, uh, the Pride match where the AFL has decided now to, to, to make the toilets or at least a, a bunch of them. Um, what do they call it? Um, sorry? Yeah, unisex or, or, or gender-free. You know, and, and mothers thinking, well, I'm not sending my little daughter to the toilet because I don't know who's going to be in there sort of thing. You know, um, 
It's only one example, and there's lots of things, but the gospel, you know, living for Jesus is, is countercultural. But we're not pioneers there. Jesus is a really great um, person to follow in that. He came with this message of a new kingdom, and it was countercultural, wasn't it? It was upside down. We've talked about that here before. So confidence can be shaken because the message is not always welcomed. Confidence can be shaken because we can feel shame and fear. We don't want to be tagged as one of those, do we? You know what I'm talking about. Well, we're in good company there. Peter was like that, wasn't he? He was sitting around a fire and, he, and they said to him, aren't you one of those guys that hung around with you? No, not me. And of course, you've never done that, have you? But we all, I've done that. We've all done that. There's this confidence can be shaken because there's this, there's this shame and fear. I don't want to, you know, right now it seems like, you know, you're sitting around and there's a bunch of people at uni or at work talking about um, something and something they see, you know, Israel Falau or something. They're all bagging out Christians and that. And you're sitting there thinking, I'm saying nothing. Right? This would be yes and this would be no. That's what we do. You know, there's this sense where... Confidence can be shaken because there's fear and, and shame as well. But we're not pioneers. Peter had the same. Confidence can be shaken because we can feel inadequate. I don't know enough. And I'm just a normal person. You know, sharing the gospel, that's for people like pastors and missionaries and you know those weird evangelist types that are in our church? You know those ones that will, will tell a tree about Jesus if it will stand still long enough? That's for them kind of people, isn't it? I'm just a normal person. I don't know that much, you know, and I'll probably get myself in a big twist if I try to share the gospel. That's just for those kind of people. Well, we're in good company there. Timothy felt the same a couple of times, and, and, and Paul many times had to encourage Timothy to say, You have something to say. Look at what was passed, what was given to you by your grandmother and your mother. And then he said, And you're going to tell people who are going to tell people who are going to tell people. We're in good company. We feel inadequate. But in each of these scenarios, in each of these times when confidence shaken, where are our eyes? They're on ourselves, aren't they? Our trust is in us in those situations. Our knowledge, our ability, our fear, our, our, what, what could go wrong. And when that's the case, our confidence begins to waver. I'm always reminded of that scripture and of that uh, in that psalm where it sort of says, you know, um, where does my help come from? You know, I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? You know, I wish sometimes when I've missed opportunities that I could have quoted that to myself inside. God's command for us to be witnesses, you know, and a witness tells about what he's seen or experienced, means that we can confidently tell of the work of the gospel. You know, if you feel inadequate, remember the teller doesn't determine its power or success. Remember the gospel, it is the power to save, not you are the power to save. A teller doesn't determine its power or success. The gospel is not subject to us. God can use anyone. In Philippians chapter 1, I think we have that, that scripture up there. When, when people were complaining and people were saying to, to Paul, um, they were sort of saying, do you know what? There's these people getting on the Jesus bandwagon. There's people that are starting to preach and, and talk about, and, and they don't know, and, and they're not really people that are followers of, of, the, of, of the way, etc. They're, they're doing it for the wrong motives. They see money in it. You know, 
Haven't we ever said that? They're preaching the gospel where they're doing it for the wrong reasons or it's not appropriate. And he said this in, um, in um, Philippians 1, verses 15 to 18, I think it is. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm, I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in change. He's, this is interesting. But who cares? doesn't say that. It says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. The power of the gospel is not in a teller. It's in the gospel. It's the obedience to tell. God has used even weirder things. The stories of God using a donkey to express himself. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians that we can have confidence, not because we're good, but because the Holy Spirit lives in us, that that's the power of the gospel. In 2 Corinthians 3, verses 4 and 6, he says to the Corinthians, such confidence we have through Christ before God, not that we are competent to ourselves in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not the letter, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So if you feel like you don't have confidence, you feel like you're not equipped, read those scriptures and put them away in your heart. We can have confidence, not because we are good, but because the Holy Spirit lives in us. You see, it's God's work to see the gospel have impact in a life, in a family, in a society. That's his work. It's our job to be obedient to share the gospel, to have the confidence to share. You know, we live in a, um, a world that needs the gospel more than ever. And we often, we often say that, don't we? We say that easily. You know, we sort of say, oh, man, have you read the internet? Have you seen what, you know, boy, you know, the world needs the gospel. The world needs some good news. But the next step is to bring it to the table, isn't it? To actually bring the good news. It is the answer for the reconciliation that we need to see in our world. It's actually called the gospel of reconciliation. First, our reconciliation to God, restoring our relationship to Him. And then it's also the gospel of reconciliation for the simple and the not-so-simple issues in our world. Do you know, you sort of think, you almost feel a little bit... Um, I think of in a couple of days' time, we've got um, Kim Jong-un and um, Mr. Trump meeting. Now, that, there's some reconciliation that needs to happen there, right? And you sort of think, wow, that's way bigger than this little... It isn't. It definitely isn't. You know what would fix that situation? The good news of Jesus Christ. Do we actually believe that? Do you, do you, you know, you sort of think, wow, no, hang on, okay, we've just gone into world politics there. But it would. If this whole, if, if what Jesus was speaking about, the kingdom of God, if the, if the values of the kingdom, if the systems of the kingdom, if, if, that, if there was a, a sense in both of these men or in these nations that, that Jesus could be the ruler, that is good news. That would be what brings reconciliation there. 
It's as big as that, but it's as small as that family tiff that's been going on for years and years and years and needs to have the gospel come right in the middle of that, the love of the gospel. Or that situation in your school or your church. Do you know, we, we really not, we need to not limit the power of the gospel. And we really need to have confidence in it. Gospel is the answer for the peace that we seek in our world. A peace in your small family, maybe mum with the kids, siblings, or inter-family. But also in the big world, the peace that we're looking for the world. It's the gospel is the answer. It is the power for that as well. And we as mature disciples, we're meant to be ambassadors of peace. And maybe you can't be at the meeting with uh, Trump. Maybe you didn't get an invite. And maybe that's not what you're called to do. But what about the person sitting next to you at school or at work or at soccer or anywhere? Maybe that's where you are supposed to start. Maybe you're not meant to be going to the UN to um, be ambassador for peace and speak to the UN. Be cool if you were. But maybe you're supposed to be an ambassador of peace right where you are. Maybe that's where you need to have confidence to share the good news. It's the answer for the hope that's missing in so many parts of our society and our world. Not just on the mission field. It is the answer on the mission field. And we talked a little bit about that today. But also for our nation, our city, our area. Knock on 10 doors in the streets here and I guarantee at least half of, more than half of them would be living would be living without hope, would be feeling hopeless with the things that are going on in the world. Just open the newspapers. The gospel is the answer of hope. It, is, it brings hope. The gospel says that there is new life. The gospel says that it doesn't end like this. Does it? We know that. It doesn't finish like this. I've read the end of the book. I know how it finishes. The king is triumphant. The gospel will change the world. It is the answer for salvation for every person we meet and connect with. It truly is. It really is good news. A new system of living. And it does change lives. You see, when we share the gospel, we point to Jesus and the need for a saviour for us all. It can be hard, but it's very needed in an independent, self-reliant world. But we're in good company. Jesus did the same. When he walked on the earth, He pointed to a new way in a world that hated him, was hard to him. He pointed to the truth and the reality of his father who sent him. He pointed to the fact that his father loves us, loves us all, and that we need him to save us from ourselves. It was also a hard message in the world that Jesus lived in, but very needed. piece of good news. The difference was that Jesus became the good news. Jesus was the good news. He wasn't just the teller of it. He was the good news. He gave his life so that that reconciliation could happen. And he is still good news today. And the confidence comes from believing that and understanding that that's true. We can have confidence in God's work through us. God saves, we don't. And I, for one, am thankful for that. We can have confidence that when we share the gospel that the Holy Spirit works through us, that God moves. We can have faith and trust that when we're obedient to tell it, to live it, or to model it, that he'll work, that his, his spirit will work through us. 
You know, just before that, those words in Acts where, where Jesus says, and you will be my witnesses, just a few verses before that, we see that he tells them just to sit tight and wait. You know, because he's going to empower them. He's going to give them what they need. And he did. He filled them with the Holy Spirit. He didn't just say, you go and be my witnesses, figure out how you're going to do it. He equipped them and he's equipped every single one of us for that. Whether you're a missionary, whether you're a pastor, whether you're an evangelist type, whether you're a carpenter, whether you're a manager, whether you're a checkout chick or guy, not that I say chick anymore. His spirit will work through us. And the reason that we're here is because they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they did go and they were witnesses. And that's why you and I are here. We can be the reason that many more will be there in eternity, that many more will experience the saving work of the gospel. So have confidence, have boldness, know the power of the good news and know that you're called as a disciple to share the gospel, that God will use you to bring good news to people, to a world that desperately needs it and the world starts right at the end of our driveway or our front door and it extends a long way. You know, it's interesting. We all love um, we all love reading those books or reading stories where people, you know, some of the greatest stories we like to like to hear, particularly in church circles, is someone that says, you know, my life was was like so bad, was so this, you know. And you, you hear all the stories. And I was in the gutter, and you know, I can remember one guy telling telling a story once in my YWAM days where he had a he had a little Bible that someone gave him at Central Station in Amsterdam, and and he used it. He, he just scorned it and he used it a page at a time to roll his tobacco in. And one day he tore a page out and as he's rolling his tobacco, his eyes fell on a few lines in the next to, and that's how he became a Christian. Someone had the confidence to say, you need this. And it could be as simple as that. We love those kind of stories, don't we? we, we, we but we think the stories are for everybody else. You have no idea... What could happen if you share the good news with someone? You may not be there to see the result of it, but you have no idea the power of the gospel to plant seeds in people's lives. So can I encourage you, if you get an opportunity to share who Jesus is in whatever way or how the gospel changed your life or how it can change someone else's life or how living differently, how knowing Jesus can bring hope, do it. You could be part of changing someone's life. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Um, we thank you for the gospel of, of, of good news. We thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ in our own life. We thank you that um, we are witnesses to what you've done in our own life, that we are witnesses of, and even sitting here, we're witnesses of what you've done in other people's lives. And we thank you for that. And we thank you that um, it isn't just about religious um, words or, or it's actually changed lives in really, really instrumental ways. Our lives have been changed in really practical ways where we're seeing that you're giving us hope, that you're giving us peace, that you're restoring relationships and families and that you're about making our lives full of purpose. And we thank you for that.
Lord, we thank you for the, the good news that you've planted in our hearts. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that you've given us that will empower us to be able to be people that, that bear witness to what you've done in our lives, that share good news with other people. Lord, we thank you that we don't just get to tell it, we also just get to live it and to express it. Lord, I pray for myself, I pray for each one of us here, Lord, that you would give us confidence to share the gospel, that we would, we would be enamored by it ourselves, that we would understand and love what you've done in our lives, and that we would not want anyone not to be able to share in that, that that would give us confidence. Lord, that we'd know what to say and when to say it practically, but first of all, that you'd call us to step up. Lord, we thank you for the opportunities we have. We thank you for the opportunities you've already given us as a, as a community here in, in Scoresby. And we pray, Lord, that as we, um, as we walk through our weeks and the opportunities that you give us, Lord, that you would show us how to share you even more with those that we meet. And Lord, we pray that you would be glorified through all that, that it wouldn't point to us, but that it would point to you and how great you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.